You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Welcome, West Side. Welcome to our New Year's Eve service. I hope you had a tremendous holiday. I hope that you experienced uh, shalom, the peace of God with your family, with friends, in your walk with God, in your heart. And as we look at the new year coming, we're going to talk today about shalom looking forward and how to experience it and how to bring it into our divided and broken world. You know, last week we did talk about our shalom with God, with others, and ourselves. And we asked you to reflect on whether you're experiencing that. And today we're going to look more deeply into this concept and talk about how important it is to have a spirit of trust and a spirit of shalom that can be a bright light to a lost world. Shalom is what we want. It's what God made us for. It's what he designed us for. This is our mission, to bring it to our hurting world. You know, Shalom, Richard Foster in his excellent book, Life with God, said that it's the social well-being and peace of those living in harmony with God and each other. It is what characterizes the family dynamics and of a loving community that God intends to create. And today, we gather together to be that community. Whether you're at home with family in your small groups, uh, if you're listening while you're traveling, we pray that you would sense the universal spirit of God bonding us together as a family. Now, having that shalom is difficult to attain and even more difficult to maintain. This summer, I had the privilege with my wife on our ministry sabbatical to travel to some biblical, some ancient biblical sites. One of these was the ancient city of Corinth, where the Apostle Paul began a uh, very active and very large church in the first century. But the church was not without its struggles. As you can see in the slide here, uh, we took pictures of the, the ruins. Uh, it was overrun in the 300s, 400s, went through earthquakes, many great challenges. But it was a very large church. Interestingly, in the background, you can see a very high hill. And on the top of the hill is the Temple of Aphrodite. And that was the patron goddess of the city. Uh, sadly, uh, Aphrodite was the goddess of sex, goddess of love. And the way that culture worshipped uh, Aphrodite was actual temple prostitutes filled uh, the, co- the culture, filled the temple, and people would worship God by following these false uh, ways of living. And there was a lot of immorality in the, in the culture. Um, sadly, um, the city was characterized by uh, prostitution, uh, had greed, had drunkenness, had a lot of uh, sexual immorality, homosexuality. Uh, the city was, was hurting and deeply in need of God. And so Paul was told that he has, that God has many people in that city. And so he went to build uh, this church of many thousands uh, in that city 
the scriptures reference, you know, 10,000 possibly in that city alone, a very large Roman city. And yet they had fallen prey to the many divisions that even in our own culture we can fall prey to. Even in the church, they were divided and, and there wasn't a deep shalom. Paul had to write the, the letter of 1 Corinthians to help minister to the church, to create unity, to guide them back to foundational teachings and help them have the kind of shalom and be vessels of shalom to a fractured culture. And that culture is not unlike ours today. Many of us today uh, could say, wow, it's very similar. Reading this summer during our sabbatical, the book by Chuck DeGroat, Wholeheartedness, we really were moved to think about our own sense of peace, and are we fragmented internally? And I think, sadly, a lot of our culture is. Uh, and he writes in it that our our weariness tells of a fundamental disconnect. Uh, the life light of our life has become obscured. And we become disconnected from our deepest selves in not only our culture, but all over the world. We're alienated from the eternity of the present moment. In the oldest part of the Christian story, the voice of shame is the voice of the serpent. Begging us to doubt our soul's inner light, it's a measurable dignity. Begging us to doubt that we are enough. And we can all freely admit that it's a difficult thing. We oftentimes have this ache and desire to feel like we have to accomplish more to feel a deep peace inside of us. And it comes from shame. And in this great book, I want to quote uh, something else that Chuck DeGroat said. He said, I believe that its presence, the shame, is the fuel for our perfectionism, which ultimately leads us to burnout and exhaustion. In shame, we hide behind masks that protect us from ourselves and others. In shame, we live divided lives that rob us of wholeness and peace. Divided and fragmented, we work tirelessly to perfect ourselves, but only end up exhausting ourselves. This is our common story. No one is immune. And I think you, as well as I could feel, maybe over the holidays you felt, pulled in a million different directions. And as we go into 2024, my prayer is that we would be able to put aside this fragmentation and focus on what will bring us true peace? What will bring us shalom? Your answer isn't a better calendar program or uh, on your new phone or a new resolution for this year. The answer is closer to you than you really understand. It is closer to you than you realize. The deepest life is already dwelling within. Your deepest life is there for you to feast upon. Fountains of living water are there to drink from. And so the way to shalom is given to us by the Prince of Peace, by he who God sent, and we had looked at this last week, that God's favor rests on those who give him glory. And he wants peace. He wants shalom to, be, to come to all men. And we find that peace in Jesus Christ. And he, we read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke 
is easy and my burden is light. God wants us to have this peace. And Jesus, he gives credence to our perpetual state of of aching for something more. Or the burdens that we might feel to achieve more, or become more, or be more organized, or attain higher levels in our workplace or in our schools. He says, come to me. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest, shalom, for your souls. You know, God is leading us to the place of peace. And that place of peace that way that Jesus says, take my way upon you, right? He has a way. His way is the way of easy burdens. Now, the reality is that doesn't mean we don't have to change. We do have to change. We are going to have to admit some things. We're going to talk specifically the practicals a little later on about how we're going to get there. But I want to encourage you that Jesus' way is going to be different than this world's way. And that in this world, it's it's all the idols. Like in Paul's day, the false idols, they still exist even in our day. Sadly, when Carrie and I were visiting the very shops throughout Greece, uh, in Athens and in Corinth, we noticed uh, some really un- unwholesome trinkets to buy and things that just spoke to the sexual improprieties of 2,000 years ago, even carrying forward till today. In today's world, there's so many things that grab our attention and can uh, tear us down because they they damage and and hurt our souls. But the scriptures teach, and Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, that no temptation has seized us except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. Instead, when we are tempted, he will provide a way out so we can stand up under it. We're to stand up under the temptations that grab our attention, that divide our interest, and that quite frankly make us feel like we're not who we were intended to be. And a guilt can overwhelm us, a shame can overwhelm us. But Jesus came to lead us out of that shame, to provide a salve for that, that guilt and emptiness and for that sense of saying, I'm not enough. Because he says, no, you are Everything I intended you to be, only follow in my way. Follow me, right? He said, follow me, and I will teach you to change this world. And what we find as we study and look at the lifestyle of Jesus and as we reflect on the word of God is that we are not whole until we are wholehearted in our walk with Jesus. So as we look to 2024, as we focus on Jesus, the way of shalom, we recognize that this way is not about busyness and achievement. It's not about money. It's not about what people think we should be or what we grew up thinking made us successful. Instead, shalom comes from being with God. And he wants us to be with him in him and in his family so we can have true harmony with him, with others and ourselves. He wants us to be holy, which means whole. And you attain that through being wholehearted in your relationship with him. And so again, we are not whole 
until we are wholehearted in our walk with Jesus. And as we look at this endeavor to be filled with shalom, to be present with people, and be ambassadors of shalom to our culture, we recognize that true shalom with God, others, and ourselves really merges together. They work together. Perfect submission, perfect connection, perfect harmony, and perfect oneness like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect unity. God has called us to this kind of peace in our inmost being. You know, we are image bearers of God. He says, I will make them in my image, in the image of God he made them, male and female. God says our identity comes from him. It doesn't come based upon what others say we should be or what makes us great. It doesn't come from how we simply feel that day, that week, or that year. Our identity doesn't come from our political leanings our sexual orientation, or our social media presence. We were made by God to reflect Him to the world because our identity is found in Him. And so, as we read Jesus' words, and we're going to be studying the book of John this year, so many incredible morsels of truth and encouragement. But I want to read this one to you. John 14, verse 27. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Jesus says, My peace I leave with you. I give you my shalom. My presence. My being. My state of well-being. Even amidst the struggles of this world. And he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. His ways are not the world's ways. For Jesus, the way of ascent in life is the way of descent. I will say it again. The way of ascent is the way of descent. When we finally admit we can't be wholehearted outside of him. We can't have a sense of peace and true fulfillment and mission and purpose outside of total surrender. It is when we see our very failures that we're called to bow down at the cross and go, God, I need you. And that's what brings us the true peace. And so I have some practicals today to talk about how do we enter into this shalom and how do we stay in this place of shalom? And so I have four practicals about shalom and how we can enter into it. The first is this, embrace vulnerability. The second is practice authenticity. The third is cultivate resilience. And the fourth is let go of perfectionism. So I want to talk first about embracing vulnerability. I want to read a verse in James chapter 5, verse 16. We read, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. How are we going to enter into a place of peace when we're not real about what we're feeling? And God made us in such a way that if our lives don't align with his created intent, then we're going to feel some guilt. 
We're going to try to push away the feelings. And God has a provision for that. He says, you're good. I sent my son to die for you. Only walk in my way. Walk in my love. Walk in my grace. And that means openness and vulnerability. Confessing your sins to one another. And I'll just confess one to you guys right here. And that is, I really didn't even have shalom as I was preparing to deliver today's message. Um, in my heart, I felt... Uh, just I, I, you know, had all kinds of issues, and I'll talk about this in our fourth point about perfectionism. But I wanted the lesson to be perfect. I wanted it to be exactly a certain way. Uh, I, I, I had so many ideas. I didn't know what to do, and I felt like I, I just can't do it. I, I just got to be real. I, I'm not sure I'm ready to deliver the message, and yet. I came to deliver it, and I spent time talking to our dear brother Scott, who's actually filming. I said, Scott, you're going to have to help me. I've got way more material than necessary. I need some help. I need to be open. I, I, I myself am not feeling the shalom necessary to pass this message on. And we sat together. We talked through practicals. Um, his thoughts, his ideas helped me. And Today we have, I think, a, a fantastic message and practicals on how to attain and maintain this life of shalom. But you gotta be vulnerable. Uh, you gotta be real. The holidays just came by, uh, just like the Corinthian church, sexual sin permeates culture, uh, in America. And, I mean, even turning on Netflix and Amazon Prime, I'm not sure what you went through. Uh, over this time, but I want to urge you, God's not condemning. He didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus said, I came to save the world. Only be open. Take my yoke upon you. Be vulnerable with a trusted friend. Open up about maybe some things you saw or did or said that you know they weren't in alignment with God. We need vulnerability and realness if we're going to have shalom. You know, point number two about gaining and maintaining this shalom is that we've got to practice authenticity. And similar to the verse we just read, we really need to see honesty about what we're thinking and feeling makes a great difference. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Authenticity is crucial if you're going to have wholeness, if you're going to have peace. you got to be real. And sadly, oftentimes we suppress our feelings. I can just share about my own struggle with, uh, with back pain for many, many, many years. And part of that I've learned through a lot of study of many uh, medical books on this and some great uh, healers on this area that oftentimes when we're not authentic with how we feel, when we repress anger, I know for me, I tend to be in a positive mood almost all the time. And sometimes I get offended or I might feel devalued or disrespected. And I oftentimes won't express it in the moment. And if I do that, and I had done that for quite a long time, it would go straight to back pain. I, I have this repressed anger and I have this repressed stress. And, you know, over the holidays, I was feeling some stress about the West Side 2024 budget. Uh, we were talking to the staff about it. We've made adjustments. We've got the budget in line. But there's still a, a call for faith there. But I was feeling enormous stress. And all of a sudden, my back pain started coming, coming quite severely. 
I uh, ended up making a phone call to a dear brother that I just have known for 30 years and just opened up my whole life, all the things I was feeling, the nuances of insecurities and uh, various aspects of how we were going to lead the church and, and how uh, my role, what it would be, and, and the things I was having fears and, and insecurities about. And as I talked to him about it, he said, well, you know, you got a good plan, work the plan, make sure you follow through with what you said, and thanks for being open. And that authenticity, you know what, my back pain went away later that same day. And I stand here totally fine today. Uh, I did have 15 years of back pain, I think from repressed feelings that I just hadn't gotten open and real about. And I didn't understand that they can cause great physical pain. For us to have peace in every way, you're going to have to have authenticity. Number three, cultivate resilience. This is very important. Our church has been through many things. Not only our church, our sister churches in Los Angeles, throughout Los Angeles, uh, our fellowship of churches worldwide have gone through many things. All different types of fellowships and tribes of God's kingdom have been through great difficulty in the past years, uh, especially with relation to COVID and its effects and the great polarization of our world. Many things were highlighted for us to learn from. Sadly, we oftentimes went in the wrong direction. And our culture is filled with teachings that, quite frankly, don't align with the scriptures. And I I read an article recently that all the new AI programs, uh, just about every one of them, is built upon what the Internet's overall information flow is. And the Internet's overall information flow is heavily influenced by people's feelings and opinions and not eternal foundational truths. This is going to be a challenge as we move forward, as we try to get our knowledge from a computer that's been programmed by really a culture that isn't necessarily aligned with the past it ought to be. And I, I, scripture occurred to me as I thought about this resilience. And that's in Jeremiah 6, verse 16. I want us to reflect on this. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Shalom. The ancient paths. God created each of us. He created humanity and he knows how we work. And he gave us a pathway, a plan. He gave us a biblical narrative to understand his heart and he gave us a message of ancient ways to live and interact and moral standards that have worked and when they are violated and not lived by they damage us in our deepest souls church as we go into 2024 i put before you cj and i the staff we've all and mark uh, shump we've talked about returning to the ancient paths making sure that we're holding to God's word, to his classic biblical ethic, that we understand that each of our lives were changed by this message of becoming a disciple of Jesus and having another man or woman in our life to be a faith partner, a friend, a mentor, a consultant. We talked quite a lot about that and we're committed to re-engaging this lifestyle of great discipleship, one another Christianity, and holding to God's biblical, clear principles principles on morality and not letting the culture 
lead us down a path that's a slippery slope. And we'll be talking more in detail about many of these concepts as we go forward. I know a lot of you want to hear about what is our church's viewpoint on uh, all the different hot-button items within our culture. Well, I'll tell you right now, our viewpoint is the ancient past. We're not going to veer from God's way. We're going to let the Bible inform us and guide us and teach us, and we will hold to his word. You know, the fourth thing I want to say is if you want to have a sense of shalom and be led into shalom, you got to let go of perfectionism. That's our fourth practical for today. There's many more, but I want to land on this one. Let go of perfectionism. America is a perfectionist culture. Uh, Western society teaches that. We're individuals. You gotta be the best. You gotta attain the highest. And like I shared earlier, you know, it was even hard to, to craft all the details of today's lesson because I, I wanted it to be just so perfect that it took me out of a state of comfort and peace and trusting that God can teach me what to say and how to say it. And perfectionism can lead us down a slipperier, slippery slope. It can um, make us very judgmental of one another. I know uh, Mark talked about that in his lesson on forgiveness, that we can be so judgmental as people and as Christians, as those who have found the way. We think, oh, the way is I've got to be perfect. Jesus himself says perfect. But if you look deeply at that passage in Matthew where he says be perfect, maybe a better translation is be whole. Be complete as my father is complete. And he knows as his creations, we're not perfect. We're only perfect in him. And I want to close out as we take communion, as we look uh, forward with hope and with faith towards 2024, as we understand we're going to focus on Jesus. I want us to look in 1 Peter 2 verse 24 where he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. It is because of him. He is the shepherd of our soul. May we continue in that path and within his flock. May we open the gates to that flock that many others would come in and enjoy this shepherd of our souls. And I want to close before we pray in Psalm 23, which Carrie and I have had the privilege of spending time in that psalm and joining a spiritual cohort to really focus on our walk with God this past several months And I want to call on all of us, please consider memorizing Psalm 23, making it a part of who you are. And I'll close with the words, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your gift of peace, of shalom. We want to walk in your way by following and focusing on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, thank you so much for this time to reflect on the various ways we can enter into shalom and practice things that can help us have shalom. We want our congregation to be ambassadors of shalom. And as we reflect on Jesus, we know he is our entrance into it. Thank you, Lord, for giving your body and shedding your blood that we might have peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.